This is Molly Hemingway of The Federalist. Join me, my husband Mark of Real Clear Investigations, Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod President Matt Harrison, and others for the 2023 Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more at issuesetc.org. Making the Case, June 16th and 17th in Chicago. Issuesetc.org. Presidential proclamations are routine. We have moved to a new month, and with March 1st, it's Women's History Month. President Biden felt the need to include abortion in his proclamation about Women's History Month. What does that tell us about his viewpoint there? And what does it tell us about the view of women that his administration is pushing with regard to abortion? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about abortion, Women's History Month, and pro-life tactics, Laura Echevarria, Director of Communications and Press Secretary for National Right to Life. Laura, welcome. Thank you, Todd. Thank you very much. What did the presidential proclamation regarding Women's History Month have to say? Well, significantly, the president noted in the proclamation that he talked about women, you know, advocates for, quote, reproductive rights and the work that they've done. He specifically mentioned Roe versus Wade and the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision that reversed the Roe decision and, of course, turned abortion decisions back to state legislatures, back to the legislatures in general, and the will of the people. And then farther in, he has an entire paragraph dedicated to the work his administration is doing and plans to do with regard to, quote, restoring abortion under this administration, abortion, quote, rights that were stripped under the Dobbs decision. And so it's very, very heavy in terms of uh, really focusing on the abortion issue, but it's not surprising out of this particular administration that they have that focus. It's something that they've been doing consistently since day one, and that is really, really promoting and pushing unlimited abortion. So, National Right to Life says that the proclamation is ironic. Why? Uh, It's ironic because the very thing that he is celebrating in the proclamation, Women's History Month, he's promoting abortion, which there have been over 64 million abortions since 1973 when Roe v. Wade was handed down. And half of those abortions have taken place on unborn baby girls. And so you're talking about destroying over 32 million unborn baby girls who could have gone on to become the scientists and the researchers and the innovators that he mentions in the proclamation. And so it is ironic that in celebrating Women's History Month, he's talking about promoting a abortion that hurts women and takes the lives of future generations of women. In that vein, what abortion laws and policies has the Biden administration promoted and how do they specifically harm women? This has been something that they have done. In fact, the president has said that he wants an all of government approach to this. And so it absolutely infiltrates just about every branch of government in the sense that the Veterans Administration is going to be paying for and supplementing abortions, paying for travel 
for abortions and things like that. The president and the Democrats in the Senate and the House have been pushing the Women's Health Protection Act, which should be called Abortion Without Limits Act or something along those lines, because that's what it would do. The president also has, under the FDA, they've expanded access or will be expanding access to the abortion drugs, mifepristone and misoprostol. And already we know that over half of the abortions that take place before 12 weeks in this country, because the cutoff the FDA has specified is 10 weeks. And so the majority of abortions that take place in that first trimester of pregnancy are being done using that chemical abortion method. And so they are now expanding that access by promoting it through pharmacies. And we know that Rite Aid and Walgreens and CVS have all said that they are going to begin offering mifepristone and misoprostol abortions through select pharmacies. And so they are prepping to do that. And so we are seeing this push from this administration, including the reversal of conscience protections for people who oppose abortion. So just over and over in various ways, this administration has pushed and pushed and pushed to get abortion on demand, abortion without limits in any way possible through various policies and procedures, as well as pushing laws and legislative agenda through the Congress as well. The Associated Press recently published a piece, Anti-Abortion Allies Change Tactics After Post-Road Defeats. What did you make of it, Laura? Well, I don't think we, we really haven't changed tactics. I think that a lot of people weren't paying attention to what was going on. It is something that the National Right to Life Committee, for your listeners, we have affiliates in all 50 states, over 3,000 chapters nationally. And our work, specifically, we work through legislation and education. And we've been doing that since 19. Well, it was established, National Right to Life was established through our first affiliate in 1968. And so we've been doing this for a very long time, and we have those connections in the state legislatures. We know what state legislatures are willing to look at what laws, and, and we have model laws that we present to legislators in the states. And so this is something that we've been working on for years, and many of the laws that we have seen passed on the national level, such as the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act or the Unborn Victims of Violence Act, which were laws that were based on model laws that we developed over the years, those legislative pieces were first introduced on the state level. And they were introduced there first, then they moved onto the federal level. So this is something that these are not new tactics. The only thing that we're seeing our opponents or the pro-abortion groups are now really trying to work on the state level more so than they have in the past, and they have really thrown a lot of money into state issues and state legislatures and state elections. So, if anything, it's the tactics of the pro-abortion lobby has actually changed. Yes, I think that they're actually, they have a lot of funding and they have groups and entities and individuals who are willing to just absolutely throw millions of dollars into campaigns to see ballot measures and things like that. 
past, and there's a lot of misinformation that they will present, and it's very difficult to combat that misinformation on the state level and over and over and over again because as we are all aware, sometimes I think the expression goes back actually to Jonathan Edwards that, you know, by the time the truth has put on its pants, a lie has made its way around the world. And so that is very, very true how we are fighting misinformation campaigns, but it's misinformation that is promulgated using millions of dollars through social media campaigns and television and radio. And so these organizations, these pro-abortion organizations and their sympathizers not only have those resources, resources, but also are willing to present misinformation and do it with a straight face. Let's talk about some post-Dobbs victories, pro-life victories. In what states has abortion been effectively banned? We do know, as everyone I'm sure is aware, that Texas has effectively banned abortions in that state. Georgia has made significant inroads. West Virginia has made significant inroads. They have also passed a number of laws. And we're seeing this making its way into a number of states. You know, on the other side, we're also seeing some, you know, horrible things that have happened in a number of very liberal states where California, for example, the governor out there has wanted to turn the state of California into almost a tourism destination for abortion. And so we're seeing a divide in terms of what states are willing to move to protect innocent human life and what states are willing to become those so-called tourism destinations for those who are seeking abortions and are willing to work lockstep with the abortion lobby to have that done. What is the value of these gestational limit laws? Several fold. The biggest one is as an educational tool. People don't realize what the development of the unborn baby is at certain stages of pregnancy. And once people start realizing that you are talking about a human being who is capable of sucking his or her thumb at a certain stage of pregnancy, that the heart begins to beat, you know, 18 to 21 days after conception, that you can detect brain waves at six weeks of pregnancy. And that's when technology can detect them. But we don't know if they exist a little earlier than that. So these are all things that people don't realize that the development of the baby, that fully formed baby that they imagine magically happens somewhere around seven or eight months, that that baby is actually fully formed by the 12th week of pregnancy and actually earlier. But everything is in place. Everything, you know, the growth of the baby, the fingers, the toes develop very early on, the teeth that she will have as a newborn, her baby teeth, they're already in her jaw and ready to emerge as soon as she's born. So these are things that people don't realize. And so these gestational bills help people to recognize and realize the development of the unborn baby. And then they can be very effective once you pass those laws. They can be very effective at pushing forward. In fact, the Dobbs decision is based on one of these gestational laws that was put forward in the state of Missouri. So we see these laws as they're pushed forward that they have an impact both legislatively but also educationally. Finally, how would you describe the pro-life strategy post-Roe with about a minute here? The pro-life strategy is to keep moving forward. We do not give up. 
this is something that is so vitally important, the right to life. And so we will continue pushing forward, working through education and legislation to affect change on both the state and the federal level. And so the so-called strategy that we've been doing for years has been effective, and it worked in overturning Roe, and we will keep doing it. Laura Echevarria is Director of Communications and Press Secretary for National Right to Life. You'll find a link to National Right to Life at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Laura, thank you very much. You're welcome. In Hour 2 of Issues Etc., we're going to be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the second Sunday in Lent. The theme is Remembering God's Mercy. We first call upon Him to remember His own mercy. Pastor Peter Bender will be our guest. Contending for truth in an age of anti-truth. You're listening to Issues Etc. Save the date. The 2023 Lutherans for Life National Conference is October 11th through 13th at the Holiday Inn Cincinnati Airport in Erlanger, Kentucky, with visits to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Look for more information in early 2023 at lutheransforlife.org conference. Lutherans for Life equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org You may be one of those pastors who need to be refreshed and refueled because of your parish ministry. Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Charles Geeshan. Concordia Theological Seminary has a wonderful program not only in continuing education during the summer, but in an advanced study program called the Doctor of Ministry. And it's a very practical program because it focuses on congregational ministry. It incorporates biblical theology with the ministry of the congregation. It's also very accessible for pastors, and it's also affordable. You can major in pastoral care and leadership, teaching and preaching, or mission and culture. And we pray that pastors will take advantage of this program. Learn more about the Doctorate of Ministry program at ctsfw.edu or by calling 1-800-481-2155, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Issues Etc. listeners are needed to vote for president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has the right to vote through a pastoral and a lay voter, two voters per congregation or parish. Voter registration must be completed by Midnight Central on March 19th of 2023. Request to be a voter at your congregation for president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations.